0: We've been praying the last couple of months uh, about uh, a guy that I don't know, but we went to the same seminary, uh, Pastor Coates up in Alberta, or Edmonton uh, in um, Alberta, and uh, he was in in jail uh, for keeping his church open and continuing to preach, and uh, he was let out a week and a half ago, and we were rejoicing, we praised God, uh, actually two weeks ago. And uh, there was one week without chaos, and uh, then this, I believe it was Wednesday, uh, the authorities, the health department in uh, their area came with uh, people to set up fences around uh, their church, and they basically took it over, um, and they put actually a couple of rows of fencing around it, um, and uh, that's crazy. <laughs> it's just crazy. Uh, You know, uh, there's so many things going wrong in our world, uh, so many violations of uh, morality, and a church wants to meet, and they're uh, really taking over a church. And so I don't know exactly what happened this morning. I'm sure we'll uh, know in the news there were uh, other churches were kind of coming to the area, and uh, we're going to come and uh, bless that church with their support. And so um, I just want to acknowledge that. Uh, also, just because it ties into what I'm going to be sharing with you today, so you can turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6. We're in a study of the book of Daniel, and uh, we are uh, coming to maybe the most familiar uh, story, passage, uh, history of the book of Daniel. And uh, I just, uh, I want to pray both for that church and for our study now. As we begin, God thank you for this morning, thank you for the blessings of baptism uh, of these ones who have come and encouraged our hearts with what you 've done in them, uh, that you forgive sins uh, not on the basis of what we do, uh, but on the uh, basis or in the pri- at the price of your son Jesus. God, we ask for your blessing on our study in the book of Daniel, and God we know uh, that we fail you all the time and uh, yet as we trust in you and acknowledge who you are, your character and your benefits and your uh, courage and strength and power that you give your people to obey. Uh, God, help us to uh, walk in that now, uh, no matter what would come. God, we do ask your blessing on the the church up in Canada. Uh, We ask that you would um, do a powerful work and that all may see uh, that you are God, uh, and that you desire and deserve to be worshipped. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In Daniel chapter 6, we come to the book, and if you remember, if those of you who have been studying along with us, been, been with us uh, in our study, we start out in captivity, uh, that we are a um, group of people, God's people are taken over by the Babylonians, and they take the best of the best, I'm feeling a little bit of feedback. Brandon, can you check on that? Um, the best of the best are taken, and they're taken into captivity under the Babylonians, under Nebuchadnezzar. And one of those is Daniel. And we, we chart kind of in the time frame that he's probably 15, 16 years old. And I thought, what a visual today that we are 15 to 16 uh, years old. That's what some of these young ladies were here today. And if you can see that in your mind, and I, I was reminded too that uh, one of the questions that C- Caleb and Brandon were, you desire to walk with him for the rest of your life. That's a question, isn't it? Um, it's kind of one of those marriage questions. How, how many of you been married before? Okay, and uh, you foolishly answer the questions that the pastor asks right you foolishly do that right and you some of you are going where's he going with this uh i'll tell you where i'm going with it It, it's the blank check isn't it till death do us part and you go oh yeah i can make it that long some of the people at our church have been married 60 years (laughs) you say oh i haven't done anything for that long at that point in my life right how do i know uh Sickness and in health, and you go, yeah, we're going to be healthy. I, you know, I, I like kale and stuff like that, so we'll be healthy. You know, he's a runner. Uh, and maybe, maybe not. And and you go, you're saying yes to something that you don't know what you're saying yes to. And uh, you look at this. This is following the Lord when you're young. What happens when you're old? Well, we've we've got it here today in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel has outlasted at least three kings, probably closer to five, maybe even six. He's outlasted them. And and you can picture this in your mind that uh, this captivity has turned into a lifetime. It has turned into a lifetime. And Uh, As you chart through the book of Daniel, all the events, you realize that God has blessed Daniel as Daniel has walked with him. And as they walked with him, and now we get to the place where some have suggested that Daniel is 60 years old, but probably closer to 80, and even one suggests 83 years old. What do you think about that, huh? Uh, most of the children's books that had Daniel in the lion's den didn't cause him to be that old, right? Uh, it had a picture of him being much younger than that. This, The title of this message could be Daniel in the lion's den, or Faith for a Lifetime, or Old Guys Rule. Um, We come to the time where uh, now King Darius is in charge. King Darius is in charge. And um, you you see that if you look at the last verse of chapter 5, it says this. It says, uh, that very night Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Um, you you look at this and you realize this is a history of a man's life. And I I talked earlier about this as a message on uh, a book of leadership, and it is, because you see the the failed king's leadership and Daniel and his friends, their true leadership. And we're going to see this once again as an old man, uh, an old man that's been in captivity his whole lifetime, his whole adult life. Um, we're going to see his leadership. And so let's let's get into it. We first start in the, dis, uh, the distinguished Daniel. Uh, in chapter 6, verse 1, it says this, It, it pleased Darius to set over uh, the kingdom, 120 satraps, to be uh, throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps would give an account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials uh, and satraps uh, because an excellent spirit was in him. Uh, The king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Uh, Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and and no error or or fault was found in him. Then these men uh, said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it uh, in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and, and satraps came in agreement to the king and said to the king, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce uh, an injunction that whoever makes petition to any God or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. You see some things in here. You could title this the situation and the trick or the distinguished Daniel. This is fascinating to me. Okay, so they're going through kings, right? At least the third king. And if you look in the Bible and back, if you haven't studied this, if you read through the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he rises to importance in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, right? Uh, he is honored and over and over again. And even as Nebuchadnezzar forgets, he realizes Daniel's a help to him and he elevates him again. And as uh, we see in chapter 5, uh, Belshazzar, Uh, He gets into this party scene and he's uh, ruining himself and others. And uh, he has this writing on the wall. And who does he call? Daniel. And if you look at the uh, verse. In chapter 5, verse 29, it says, uh, Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple, a chain of gold, and was put around his neck. And the proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. So the guy who's going to get killed, who he told was going to get killed and lose his kingdom, uh, he says, even though uh, I promote you to this high position in the kingdom, third in command. And then what do we find out again in chapter 6? New king, new king. And the new king says, hey, I am going to have uh, these 120 you know, uh, people, mayors, governors, whatever you want to call them. These 120 are going to uh, kind of take care of my kingdom, and there's going to be three over them, and one of which is going to be Daniel. And you look at this and you go, boy, this is fascinating that each kingdom and kingdom. New administration, uh, you know, uh, a change in leadership, an overthrow of the last one. They continue to look to Daniel uh, because of who he is, because of what he has done, and most likely because of his character. And so he is one of three, and then he becomes one over three, one over three, because he Uh, The king acknowledges and sees that Daniel is greater, and he needs him. And so he puts him over the three who are over the 120, who basically, as the king uh, turns over his authority to rule the kingdom and to take care of the kingdom, Daniel was in charge. This is what we see. And uh, so what happens? I'll say it this way, just to get your goat a little bit. Racism! And jealousy is what happens. And you say, well, how, where do you get that? In the Bible. In the Bible. Yeah, what does it say? Uh, where's their, wh- wh- how do they go about this? How, wh- why do they think there's this thing? Uh, they're going to later call him the guy from Judah, the the captive. They uh, connect him with his ethnicity okay Uh, but anyways uh, you get this that that their jealousy of them not being in charge most likely uh, people from the kingdom of the Medes or Persians they come in and they're going well we should be in charge and so they all get together and they go no way should this captive be in in charge and so they look uh, to discredit him and I just want to tell you something about being discredited Um, I I was listening to uh, something about, you know, a podcast for today, and it was talking about discrediting politicians or leaders. And they said, oh, there's a real simple way you do it. You do it through money, money. You buy them. You you, you tempt them with money. You either just bribe them and give them a big pile of money, or uh, you tempt them with a, a shady business deal that they can't refuse, and then you got them. You discredit them through money. Or there's one other one that's very famous to be used, is perversion. Money or perversion. And if, you know, it's this idea that morality uh, will be connected, and if you can tempt them, tempt them through their morality, through being unfaithful in their marriage, uh, to going outside of what God's word says when it comes to sexuality and just continue to get worse and worse. And I thought, boy, that is what happens today. Boy, that is the way men and women are ruined today in the public eye. They're tempted. And, and, and I want, we'll say it this too. It's the plots of men prompted by the enemy. Well, how, how does the enemy want to ruin you? Chances are he 's going to try to use money or stuff or some kind of perversion that 's how he wants to ruin you that 's some of the tools that he will use uh, to destroy you. But when it came to daniel there 's no way to discredit him, and they knew it. they knew it and, and they as they were plotting and planning, even as uh, Proverbs warns us about people like this, they defined it. Uh, How were they going to do this? How were they going to ruin him? And they made this this one astute uh, observation. We can't ruin him unless we find a connection with the law of his God. That's how we're going to do it. We're going to somehow connect it with his faith. uh, Somehow cross the line when it comes to his faith. And so... Uh, they trick or they. Um, and uh, King Darius, um, you know, like many kings, uh, he loved himself. And so the idea of, uh, hey, you should have this law in place that no one should pray to anybody but you. He says, yeah, I'm a pretty great guy. You know, uh, the narcissism comes out. Right. Um, and so he's tricked into this. So it says in verse 9, Now a king establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. And so King Darius signed the document. He signed it. Uh, This law, um, there was a special kind of law of the Medes and Persians that was set in stone. It could not be changed. Um, And it's interesting to me... uh, how do you feel about the whole being thrown into the lion's den as a punishment? Hey, how do you feel about that? You know, that, that sounds pretty, uh, pretty graphic, huh? Um, and barbaric and brutal. And I just want to remind you uh, of some of the things that we're doing today. Today. Uh, you think of around the world, the different tortures that are going on. I think of in China... Uh, what they're doing to the Uyghur people, um, and and you can you can look that up, and I, I wouldn't suggest doing it late at night or you'll have bad dreams. Um, but it's brutal, and you say, well, you know, we we don't live in China. There's a how about abortion? How about abortion? Just the picture of it. And I just want to tell you, the heart of man, apart from the work of God and the forgiveness and the transformation of Jesus. We will do wicked and brutal and filthy things and we'll even consider them good. And that's what they were doing in the book of Daniel. As you look at this, um, this is in the heart of man. So we go uh, to verse 10 and we see faithful Daniel. And I've already decided because the service is going a little long. I'm going to preach this message this week and then I'm going to preach it again next week, okay? And so get the stuff that I missed and talk about how we live um, how we live in difficult times. So Faithful Daniel, verse 10, uh, we look down and it says, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had his windows in the upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said uh, before the king concerning the injunction O king, uh, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions? The king answered and said, uh, The thing stands fast according to the law, the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. You see there, faithful Daniel. Uh, it says when he knew it had been signed. and uh, just, just get this picture in your mind. Uh, he wasn't confused about what was going on. He knew that it had been signed. He, he knew what was going on. He most likely knew that he was being targeted. Um, and uh, so maybe he thought, I have a really good lawyer. I have a really good lawyer, and I can get out of this. And maybe the punishment won't be that harsh. No. He knew what was going to happen. He knew it was the law of the Medes and Persians. He knew it couldn't be changed. And he knew what was the punishment? The den of lions. That's where he was going to go if he did this. And so when he knew that it had been signed, what did he do? I I want to tell you what he did. I want to highlight something. Maybe uh, we skipped over. As you think about this, it, it says that he knew the document had been signed. He goes to the Uh, Goes to his house, windows, upper chamber, toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. It was his habit. It was his habit. Daniel says, this is what I do. This is what I do. So he was 60, 70, 80 years old at the time. And uh, what do you do when you're 80? You have any habits? Some of you are eighty, and you know you can you can belt it out, right? You got some habits, right? You get some things you do, and some of these things you've done for many years. This isn't something new. You've gotten a routine, and and for Daniel, uh, this uh, it does it doesn't say for how long he had prayed three times a day. Uh, facing Jerusalem, right? It doesn't say how long he lived in this particular house that he had, had been in, but this was his pattern. It was his spiritual pattern. And I want to even suggest to you that this is the pattern that gave him strength uh, for days like this. And so when Daniel knew that the, uh, the bill, injunction, uh, mandate, whatever you want to call it, uh, when it had been signed, when he knew that it had been signed, uh, the question is, what happens next? What do you do now? Because the bill had been signed, what what are the next steps? I guess I've got to change my pattern. No, Daniel says, I'm going to continue on as I have previously done. So what now? And, and, uh, We we don't have any conversation. Like we don't know if Daniel's neighbors and like who knew about this and whether whether there were some uh, confrontations between these other uh, co-peers or the satraps and or even the king himself. But we don't know. We don't know what went on. But if Daniel was asked, uh, "Hey Daniel, what are you going to do? Did you know that this law has been signed?" I I see Daniel saying, so what? So what? How's that going to deter me from doing what is worship to me? What is my uh, spiritual discipline that I go about? You see, there's spiritual habits that we should, for a lifetime, struggle to maintain. Let me just go through them real briefly cherish the gospel of jesus christ to cherish it to go over it and over it and over it even as you uh watch these baptisms today i hope that you were in your own soul going over what is the gospel the gospel is the gospel is i'm a sinner i'm a sinner who needs a savior that savior is jesus christ he's the only one he's the only savior for me and apart from which, I will be separated from God forever. Not just in this life, but as I die, I will have nothing to hold on to as I exit this life. But because of Jesus, I am saved. Not because of my works, but because of his grace, I am saved. So, so we rehearse that over for a lifetime. It's a spiritual discipline. We have the Holy Scriptures. We the Holy Scriptures right here. We're just going through them for a lifetime. There's no expiration. You never graduate from the scriptures. You never graduate. Um, If you can't see anymore, uh, this is how this works, by the way. Uh, If uh, if you've been going through the scriptures for a lifetime and then you can't see anymore, they're probably bouncing around in there, and you can recite them. It gets kind of confusing because you probably you know, read out of five different translations in your lifetime, and so you're making up your own as you go. Um, but the scripture's in there. I want to encourage you that we have uh, apps and uh, recordings that you can listen to the scripture over, but it's, it's part of your life. It, it's a habit, a spiritual habit for a lifetime. You have the gospel, you have the scriptures, what God has said. You have prayer, you have prayer, and we all need to work on that, this idea. This is what Daniel mentions here. Is that he prayed three times a day. Uh, I, I want to encourage you. Uh, it, it's funny because the older you get, uh, prayer should be a, a more natural thing because you can't man manhandle things anymore, right? You're you're more uh, in tune with your limitations, right? Um, and your limitations are greater, right? Um, and and I just want to encourage you that this is a spiritual discipline of prayer that uh, Daniel does here. Uh, you, you also have uh, a couple others that really maybe you, you don't think of is uh, singing, worship, and song. You look at the scriptures and you realize that God's people, they sing. Why? Because they have something to sing about. We have something to sing about. And so I'd encourage you as a spiritual discipline to uh, you know, enjoy music and to understand that these words matter, these words matter. Um, And then church. Uh, When I say church, the gathering of God's people, the gathering of God's people. Um, Unfortunately, many in our world, and I would say even many in our churches don't understand this. Um, You know, we've been batting around the last, Year plus, what's essential and what isn't essential. I want to tell you, it it doesn't matter what the world says is essential. But as you look at the scripture, both old and new, the assembly of God's people was critical. And it was a habit of a lifetime. It's a habit of a lifetime. You don't outgrow this. You don't get older uh, than your connection to God's people and I would also say this, that your connection with your family, uh, your responsibility to them, especially as parents and grandparents, uh, this is a spiritual discipline. And when I say spiritual discipline. It's not just about uh, you giving them birthday cards and you know feeding them food and stuff like that, but your influence on them. It's a lifetime. And so you see these things as Daniel, you know, he, he it tripped upon one of his uh, spiritual disciplines. And he says, so what? So what? So what a law was made? So what about the the lion's den? So so what about even uh, taking over the church? Um, I did put in some place, uh, you know, I talked, to, uh, I talked to my son Daniel, who's been learning how to drive a bulldozer. And um, I said, so if they do that to Bear Valley Church, Dan, um, I think it would be better for you to bring the bulldozer out and just clear out those, those fences that we'll just continue to meet. Um, I said, that would be better, too, because then you'll get arrested and I'll be able to preach that Sunday. Uh, but anyways. Um, so you see Daniel... Um, Driven by, and I will say this, I do believe that it was racism in the sense that they hated God's people. They hated God's people. And I want to tell you, as we are not the Israelites here, but we are God's church, and we will be hated. Not because of being obnoxious, I hope. Don't be obnoxious. We're supposed to be the lovers of God's people, we're supposed to be the lovers of even unbelievers. They'll know us by our love, but we'll be hated because of the name of Christ. And so uh, they marked him as Daniel, one of those exiles from Judah. He continues to pray three times daily. Which brings us to Daniel in the den, verse 14. Then the king, when he heard these words, uh, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel and he labored uh, till sun went down to rescue him then these men came by agreement uh, to the king and said to the king now o king uh, that is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed then the king commanded and daniel was brought and cast into the uh, den of lions the king declared to daniel may your god whom you continually uh, serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet um, and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king uh, went into his palace and s- spent the night fasting. No diversion was brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Uh, then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste uh, to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver uh, you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent uh, an angel and shut the uh, lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel uh, be taken out of the den. Uh, so that Daniel was taken out of the den and no uh, kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. When the king commanded and those who, uh, the men who were brought maliciously, uh, who accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones into pieces. Justice. You see faithful Daniel, uh, but then you see Daniel in the lion's den, right? You see what happened. And I say justice, um, and most of us struggle with this, Especially when it says the wives and children," uh, but you know make sure you know that decisions from one family member, they have implications for the whole family, right? And especially as a man in his leadership of his home. You see, the king was distressed. He it says he was in anguish as he thought of Daniel, and he realized that he was tricked, and so his heart was broken. <laughs> His heart was broken, and his immediate reaction was, "I got to get Daniel out of this." But knowing that he couldn't, uh, he went and he went ahead with this. Uh, even a, a, a tinge of faith from him that says, uh, "May your God, the one who you serve continually, somehow fix this. You know, make this work, right? That you might not uh, succumb uh, to being overpowered by the lion, lions." He was distressed and he called out and hoped that his God would save him. Daniel's response to him uh, was beautiful. And he says, My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. Think about this. That's the way we need to walk, right? Right is to make sure that we haven't done anything wrong in the sight of God. Sight of God first. And I want to tell you, if you haven't done anything wrong in the sight of God, it won't matter for the authorities because there will be no harm to them either, right? Um, This is important piece for Daniel as he went. Uh, He had not uh, disobeyed God, and so he had also not harmed the king. But that was not true for his adversaries, those ones who sought them. And so they got their just rewards um, and even showed that it wasn't just that the lions were tame lions. Uh, It wasn't just that they were tame and it wasn't just that they were full. Uh, It was that God did his work through his angel, as Daniel said. I want to stop there um and just ask a few questions i I know we haven't gotten to the end but i'll pick that up next week but um what what does what does it mean what does all this mean uh I, i think for us we're struggling in this world we're struggling um what would it have been like this last week uh to be an officer of the law uh by that Grace Life Church up in Canada. And your boss said to you, hey, uh, you need to show up early. We're going, we're, we're going out. Oh, what are we doing, boss? Uh, we're going to go shut down this church. What does that mean for the, the officers of the law? Some of you uh, have jobs like that. and uh, I just wonder, you know, what, what would that mean for you that day? would you be able to tell your boss i'm not going i'm not disobeying you and i'm not uh, being disrespectful but that violates my conscience not before some inner conscious thing for me but that violates my relationship with the god of the universe and i won't do it what does that mean for the engineers I know we have a lot of engineers here today, but there's a line, right? There's a line in that. There, there's a a a thing you can't cross that you're trying to do things that you realize are outside of what God would have you do, and and will you be able to say to your boss, "I'm not working on that project, I'm not doing it"? Will you be able to say, uh, "I'm out of here, I'm doing something else"? I, I think of our our people in. Uh, People in the medical field. Huge, huge issues today. Um, And, you know, you come to a place where you're looking at this patient, this person, and you realize uh, they always joke about practicing medicine, but that's what you're doing today. And you say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to tell my boss, well, you're going to get fired. So be it. So be it. Not doing it. I think of all the occupations and all the places that we have today what does it, what does it have to do with uh, the public school teacher or really every mom dad here today is a teacher right uh, we 're all trying to teach something you know we 're zooming and uh, we 're looking through books and trying to figure out how, how we did math when we were in high school and you know if we can still do it, Googling it um, what does it ma- What does it mean? As you're a teacher, and and this is part of the curriculum, what are you going to do? Um, I'd encourage you to take a Sharpie marker, right? And I say, I'm going to talk about this passage, paragraph, picture. Man, eh, we're going to skip this. And they say, you have to. And you say, well, no, I don't have to. No, I don't. And they say, well, you're going to get fired. You're going to lose your job. So be it. So be it. I think about this and grandparents and your impact on your kids and your grandkids and you're continuing and there's this push and pull, right? You're told you can't say anything, right? Well, what if God wants you to say something? What should you do? You say, oh, I don't know how they're going to respond. Let God worry about them. Let God worry about them. You worry about your relationship with him. So, you know... What does all this mean for our roles that we have? And I I just say it this way, take it a step further and say, at what cost? At what cost? It's fine for you to stand up for your faith and to trust in God and to to take that stand, but are you willing to pay that cost? And you say, well, what cost? I I don't know. What's it going to cost you? It might cost you your career might cost you your career or your future career. Is it worth it to you? It might cost you your sports, right? I think of our our young people and um, budding athletes. And you might have to tell your coach, I'm not going to be there. Because it it violates my habits, my practices, my spiritual. This is what we do. You say, well, you're not going to start. And... If you're smart enough, and you won't say this out loud, but you might say, Coach, you're not going to (laughs) win. I may not start, but you're not going to win. It might cost you that. It might cost you your vacations. It might cost you your health. It might cost you your home or your 401K. It might cost you your hopes and your dreams. And for Daniel, it might have even cost him his life. But for him, he just goes. This is what I do. Pre- this is what I've done. I've done this for this many years. I've done this over and over again. This is what I do every day. So to stop because someone made a thirty-day law because of this, that, or the other thing because there was some trick, I'm not stopping for anything. I want to encourage you to co- contemplate this next week. What does the story of Daniel have for you? What are are the implications that it might have for you today and in the future? And next week, we're just going to be talking about how do we prepare for tough times as we consider uh, what we've learned in the book of Daniel thus far. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of being with your people and uh, reflecting on your gospel and hearing of uh, one of the heroes of faith, Daniel. And God, it wasn't that he was so heroic, but it was that he knew the value of his relationship with you. God, I pray that we know that as some, some here are young and that they, that may set a course for a lifetime. And for those of us who are older and very old, God, may we not give up the treasure in these last days on this earth, these, these last seasons, these final laps around the track. God, may we cherish you more, understanding more of you. And may we maintain, at whatever cost, our pursuit of you. God, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.